Murder is defined as the unlawful, premeditated killing of one human being by another. However, being charged and convicted of murder isn't always as simple as a definition. With that said, let's talk murder. And just like that, we back at it! Hi, everybody. Allow me to welcome you to season two of Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisong. I've been going for a minute, but I'm back, and it's time to jump off. For those of you all who may be new, Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisong is a crime-based podcast that takes an inside look at the crime from the side of the accused. In each episode, we go beyond the headline and get up close and personal to the story via the words of the individual charged with the crime. On this episode of Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisong, we're going to have the opportunity to hear from Alance Legrone. Now, for those of you all who may not know who Lance Legron is, of course, I'm going to give you an introduction and go over the case as it was told in the media. And then I'm going to allow Lance to give his side and let us know his take and his perspective towards the matter. With that said, you all ready? Let's talk murder. So first up, Fox 8 News. Um, this is out of Cleveland. Fox 8 News, Kara Setyak. This was posted on May 28th, 2013. At 1.34 p.m. And then updated on May 28, 2013 at 9.27 p.m. And it reads as such. Cleveland, the Cuyahoga County Medical Examiner's Office, has defined, has identified the teenager who was shot and killed behind the Eastman branch of the Cleveland Public Library. Police said the teen was walking with another male on Lorraine Avenue when they were confronted by someone driving a red pickup truck. Police said the person in the, in the truck fired a shot at the teen then took off. The teen was taken to Metro Health Medical Center where he died. The Cuyahoga County Medical Examiner's Office said the victim is Mustafa McWhorter, 18. The library was closed after the shooting. Again, this is from Fox 8 News on May 28th. Then we came in Cleveland 19 News, updated May 28th. Um, they had an update which read, on Wednesday, July 10th, Cleveland police report that as a result of investigative leads, interviews, and tips from the public, the homicide detectives were able to obtain an aggravated murder warrant for Lance LeGrone and Rondell Foster in connection with the homicide of Mustafa McWhorter of Cleveland. The homicide occurred on Tuesday, May 28, 2013, at 11602 Lorraine on Cleveland's west side. Both males were taken into custody without incident and are currently being held in the Division's Central Prison Unit awaiting charges. Now, for those, for some of you, this may sound familiar. This actually was an episode on the first 48, and it was one that really fucked with me. And it fucked with me heavy because um, Mustafa was very young. He was young. He was walking home from high school. The video that was presented, you know, seemed like he was minding his business. And next thing you know, he goes in one side of the library, comes out the, by the other side of the library, and he gets shot. Um, it appeared to be some sort of some words exchange before the gun violence took place, and it was just it was it was it was, it was a lot. It was a lot because I have younger brothers. It was a lot because I felt for his family. But I'm just like, what the fuck? Then, to make matters worse, when you are viewing the first forty eight episode, they make mention to Mustafa literally just getting jumped like a week or two prior to the shooting. You're like, damn, he can't catch a break. First he gets jumped, and he's talking about that and the violence in the community, and then he gets killed. This one, this one cut deep, you know, I was like, wow, like, my brothers are his age, and damn, like, this can just happen anywhere. So, it hit different. So, with this edition of Let's Talk Around with Diamond Kisan, I'm not going to read 
um, Alanis' answers to you. So, you know, typically I am conferring with the inmate either through letters or through email, and I read their responses to my questions. Well, this time, um, I had the opportunity, um, Alance had some individuals who were able to help him do a recording, so we're going to hear directly from Alance himself and see what he had to say with relation to the crime and the crime from his perspective as a whole, and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Y'all ready? Give me a moment. I'm about to play this for y'all. This is what Alance Legron had to say with relation to the crime in which he was convicted of. May 28th, 2013. It was a Tuesday. My second day off from work. I had a Wendy's gig on the side of doing my music, so when I wasn't at work, I rode around with my guys. We just figured shit out. We had the wrong values. And all the days that were revolved around was small views of life, like how loyal we were to each other, or how loyal we were supposed to be anyway, or the norms, you know, like money, music, relationships. So that Tuesday when my phone rang at 10 o'clock that morning, it was time to stop talking and prove it. You know, it's not the day that I recall vividly. It's more so all of our conversations all our time spent together dealing with or in discuss of if that day ever came, how would we handle it? Because the type of lives that we were living, the places that we were from, the careers that we was chasing, and the men we surrounded ourselves by, we knew it would. So when it did, what went through my mind after is I accomplished something. I kept my word to somebody I considered my family. Me and Rondell, we tied together forever because of our two nephews. So when I look at them, I just hope and pray that they have broader views than we had. I really hope that they don't look at life or look at the world so small. I saw the victim's mom on the news in tears, and I closed my mind to it when I was free. So during the courtroom appearances, that's what hit me more than anything, because I avoided those encounters any way that I could when I was free, whether they came from the media or someone I knew that would talk about it when we did this and they didn't know it was us. I just remember his family even more than my own being there. I saw his sister, his brothers, his mom, his dad. I remember his dad the most because I remember how he stared this hole into me. And at that point, I realized I took somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's uncle and nephew. I realized, like, I'm really in trouble here. So during the court process, I started to take life more serious. And I guess you could say I grew some hairs on my chest manned up and I became the evidence against myself, decided to give his family at least some sort of closure. Those are one of the things that me and my lawyer talked about. So my lawyer, Oscar, definitely did everything he could. I think he represented me from a place of feeling sorrowfulness because this was my first time in trouble 
first time even seeing a courtroom, seeing even what it looked like other than the custody hearings my parents took me through as I grew. And I got jammed up because of the teachers that I had around me. So that's the uh, fourth away question. I grew up in prison. The same as my uncle. Same as my older brother. Since I've been here, I've realized my indifferences from thousands of men, even my uncle and brother themselves. And it's been hard as hell, but this has been a place where I've had time to think, to train, to learn about what's important. I've learned about life, the value of it, the reason for it, and the meaning of it. So if I could tell the public that, A young boy or a girl, too, even, who deals with what I dealt with mentally. I would just love on them, support them, and teach them that the neighborhood that we come from, good does exist in it. Good people and good itself. And you just can't give up on finding the good in it. And understand that the neighborhood is an extended version of your family. Take care of it in a way that leaves a mark to better it, not in a way that wounds it. Motivate each other. Influence positivity. And don't be scared to be yourselves because that was my biggest issue. And always, always make your decisions thinking about how they could affect everyone and not just how they affect you. Make your lives count for something. Wow, wow, woo! Wow, that was deep. That was deep. So, so let's, let's talk about it. His day off of work. So in the recording, Alance spoke about the loyalty amongst the team and being loyal and having to prove the loyalty. You know, like, you know, and I come from the streets, so I get it. You know, it's death before dishonor. It's loyalty over royalty. Like, I get it. I know what we're taught, and I understand the level of which your environment plays on your, on your life and your upbringing and what you know, but oh my fucking goodness, this one... So he's different. So let's let's talk about so his phone rings at 10 a.m. And he says it was time to prove his loyalty. Can you fathom that phone call? Remember ring? Hey, yo, what up? Yo, I need you to put in that work. What? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, let me, let, let me be clear. I didn't have some bouts where I had to, like, you know, run up, get done up type of whatever. But, like, yo, to get that call, like, yo, I need you to put in that work. And to be a teenager and... To be a part of the team and like, you know, you know you got to be loyal and you got to put in that, you know, you got to show that loyalty. But damn, that phone call, time to prove his loyalty. You know, and then um, he touches on the environment and just like how he was raised and the influences that were around him. Like, I get it. Like, all that plays a part. Then for him to say, after the shooting, he felt like he accomplished something. Damn. Like... That statement, that sentence, that description alone shows you the level of loyalty that he had at that time. Like, you were so diehard loyal that once you um, 
completed the shooting. You felt like you accomplished something. That's deep. That's deep. Like, that, that's just, whoo. Feeling like you got to be a man of your word. You got to stick to your loyalty. You got to prove your loyalty than to do that. Then we get to court. He's going through the court process. And, you know, yo, his first time ever in trouble. Like, understand, like, his first time ever in trouble. And we're talking murder. We're talking aggravated murder. The warrant was for aggravated murder. Let's keep this in mind. So, not just murder. Aggravated murder. And that shit is severe. So... And go through that. It's your first time in court. And then you have to face the family. And did you all hear when he says that? He remembers Mustafa's family more than his own. And definitely Mustafa's father because he just gave him that look. I, I could not fathom the look coming from a father who had just lost his son to a senseless killing. Looking at the individual on trial. For the death of your child, baby, if looks could kill, that's one of those instances like, my gosh, my gosh, if looks could kill. You know, and then, you know, Alain said that he felt like he was, he grew up during the court proceedings. That, that hit different, because, um, what that says is, that says that all your time on the streets, like, all your time out there, <clears throat> all the time, like, all the time you're out there doing what you're doing, but it wasn't until you're going through this that you start to grow up. You know, so almost like it forces you to grow up. Like there's this sense of coming into adulthood as you go through these proceedings. That's some shit. Oh, first time in trouble. Aggravated murder. Now he sits in jail. Convicted of killing Mustafa McWhorter. That's just, ooh. So, you know, in tradition, like we always do on Let's Talk Murder. I have some questions for you. I have some questions. Let me know. I, I need to know how you feel about this. What's your take on loyalty amongst the team? Like, you know, I, I don't, especially for my people who come from the hood. Like, you know, we know this is almost like those, you know, hoodnomics, hood 101. Like, get down the lady out. Like, death before dishonor. But is there a limit to the loyalty, or should there, I should say, should there be a limit to the loyalty in which you give to your friends? Because, man, now, you know, you kind of think to yourself, like, well, damn, the shoe was on the other foot, would they do the same for you? Like, well, like, you know, is, and you know what? How about this for a question? Is there a such thing as too loyal? Literally, is there a such thing as being too loyal? Maybe not. Maybe it's just being too, being loyal to the wrong people. Oh, now, baby, that's a conversation right there. Being loyal to the wrong people. But then, I guess, it's how do you decipher who to and who not to be loyal to when these people are part of your community? You know, they're part of your crew. They're part of who you're around. They're part of who you live around, who you grew up with. Like, all that shit. So then, do we blame on the environment? Yeah, we know the environment plays a role, but damn it, mm. Is it a say all to be all? I, oh, gun violence, senseless gun violence is just, oh, I can't. Listen, I need you all. Talk to me. Get me. Let me know. Let's talk. Hit me on social media. Twitter at Let's Talk Murder. Instagram and Facebook at LTMWDK. Again, that's Twitter, Let's Talk Murder. Instagram and Facebook, LTMWDK. And as always, I'm Dominique Hassan, and we've just talked murder. Until next time. Stay safe 
and never be afraid to talk murder. This is a Diamond Xan production.